Welcome and greetings from Elfie's World. Now, this is the place where we try to bring you a little fun, pique your interest, and maybe, maybe even give you an opportunity to learn a thing or two about history. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. My name is Elfie Wolfram, and I hope you enjoy our presentation. Today, We'll be presenting another program from our collection of stories entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, these are true stories which have either well, been totally overlooked or well, sometimes not given quite the attention they deserve by the uh, potentates of history. We're going to leave it to you to decide why they've been neglected in the annals of time. Now, to commemorate the upcoming Valentine's Day, we bring you a story of forgotten love. It's episode number nine, and it is entitled, Long Lost Love. So, kick back, think of your favorite sweetheart, and enjoy. It's one of those fairy tale stories that could only happen in America. It occurred in the latter part of the 18th century in Louisiana. Newly arrived from France, a handsome, shrewd, ambitious young immigrant lad was striving to improve his position in life. Having received an invitation to a Mardi Gras ball, it seemed the perfect opportunity for him to meet an attractive young lady who possessed a handsome dowry, which he could use to jumpstart his new life in America. And so it was for Julian Podrol. The date was February 13th, 1777. The place was a Mardi Gras ball in West Baton Rouge, Louisiana. A poor man with great ambition, young Julian had arrived at the ball that evening expecting nothing but the very best to happen. Well, as the evening passed on, he drank glass after glass of wine, and with each glass he seemed to pass up yet another eligible young lady who didn't quite meet his standards. Then, as if by some predestination, at the stroke of midnight, a strikingly gorgeous young lady appeared. Even with her face concealed behind her mask, it was impossible for her to hide her beauty as she stood nervously in that doorway. By this time of night, Julian was no longer a man out seeking his fortune through a romantic relationship. He was merely lonesome for female company. As their eyes met and they gazed at one another through their Mardi Gras masks, it must have felt like kismet to each of them. As they shared wine after wine, dance after dance, it was apparent to both of them this was true love. All too soon, the dawn was beginning to break. It was time for them to board his rented carriage and for Julian to take his newfound love home. Now, one must remember, this was a far more romantic time. And so, 
as they pass through that enchanted, moss-covered forest of that New Orleans area on their way to her home, Julian proposed to his newfound beloved, and she quickly accepted. He promised to return as soon as the forty days of Lent had passed. All seemed perfect, a dream come true. But then, their evening journey came to an end as they arrived at her home. Instead of living in a castle, the harshness of the morning sun revealed the princess whom he had so rashly chosen for his beloved lived in a dingy shack, literally on the other side of a mud puddle. Suddenly, the beauty he had seen in her through his mask just moments before was overshadowed by the dilapidated, tin-roofed squalor that she called home. Regardless of her beauty, his heart must have stopped dead at that moment in time. With the bright glare of daylight revealing the foulness and filth of that hubble. What was, what was a man to think? I mean, growing up in France, Julian had spent all his life struggling with poverty. Upon coming to America, he had promised himself a life free from that plight of want. He had expected a bride with a handsome dowry. But this fair lass obviously had none. Though it had been an evening of charm and romance, with the harsh light of day, for Julian it had all come to a bitter end. At this point in time, Julian must have said to himself, this was a delightfully romantic evening, but now on with my life. But this was not the case for the young lady that he had met that evening. Oh, in the immediate days which followed that night, she sent him many love letters which read, You did not come for me, but I know that some delay is responsible, some delay that, of course, cannot be your fault. But finally, at long last, just before those beautiful epistles of love stopped, there was one final letter which said, So I can only assume that everything is finished between us and that I have been clinging to a fool's dream. There is nothing else to say. Goodbye. It must have been shortly after that last letter when reality began to set in for Julian. Only then did he seem to have realized what a fool he had been. Now, now a new vision of reality became clear to him. Unlike France, in the United States, men seemed to live their lives, well, more honestly. In America, a marriage was not made for business purposes, but was built on the foundation 
of love. Finally, after a year of neglect, Julian must have started feeling a true sense of guilt. Eventually, he began replying to her letters, stating that he was now beginning to realize what a fool he had been. But now, there were no responses from the young lady in question. At long last, with over one year's build-up of feelings of guilt and neglect, he summoned up all his courage and decided to return to that humble cottage in the forest. He now knew she was the love of his life, and he must renew that love which kindled so brightly that night so long ago, even if only for a moment in time. Upon arriving at the cottage, he found that the love of his life, the girl he had so callously dismissed because of the lack of a dowry, had died alone. Her grave marker even left her name lost to history. The simple stone cross contained only two words. The single French word, dorme, which means sleep, and perdita, which simply means the lost one. As for Julien Poudron, over the years which followed, his name became known by many throughout Louisiana. A shrewd merchant, Julian soon grew to be the wealthiest man in all Louisiana. In addition to a vast steamship line, he acquired five plantations, 1,400 slaves, and over a half million acres of rich, fertile Louisiana farmland. He even found time to write the first poetry ever published in Louisiana. Today, there is a town of over 5,000 named in his honor. In New Orleans, one can find a street, a high school, and even a 22-story skyscraper bearing his name. But he didn't stop there. When this area became a territory, it was Julian Poudreau who was sent as a delegate to the United States House of Representatives from the Orleans Territory. He was a catalyst in the promotion of Louisiana statehood and helped draft the state's first constitution. He even served as the first president of the Louisiana State Senate. He went on to over 50 years of wealth, success, and public service, not only in Louisiana, but also for the United States of America. But whatever became of Julian Poudreau and his personal life? Did he ever recover from losing that great love of his life, remarry, and live happily ever after? Did he ever find another true love to give him a family and for whom he could share his life, wealth, and success? Well...
history would record that Julian Poudreau would never marry. Though by his death he had managed to succeed in almost every other way, he was never again able to reproduce the love he had found on that pleasant Mardi Gras evening so many years before. In June of 1824, realizing his health was failing and the end was near, Julian began going over his accounts one last time. He realized now was the time to decide how his financial empire would be distributed after his passing. Up until that moment, most people considered him nothing more than a hard-nosed, practical businessman and a shrewd political leader. But they were wrong. And so he began to make arrangements for the dispersal of his vast holdings. There was money for a college. He founded an orphanage. A hospital was to receive two of his houses. His many godchildren received $5,000 each, the equivalent of almost $135,000 today. Oh, the list went on and on. And then came the most unusual bequest of all. At the end of his will, he added one final clause. I give dowries to the poor girls of this parish. I do leave and bequest the sums noted herewith. And with that, he left enough money to provide each and every new young bride who was married in his parish the sum of $1,100 over two years average income for that day to be used as a dowry. Thus, no girl in his parish would ever again miss out on the happiness of marriage because of the lack of a dowry. And what happened to that unusual bequest of Julian Poudreau? Well, if you ever go down to West Baton Rouge Parish in Louisiana, you'll find the grant of this dowry exists to this very day. Though the amounts given to each girl have greatly decreased because of the vast increase in population, still, each year, as a young lady applies for a marriage license in that parish, her name is added to the Julian Poudreau endowment list. And at the end of the year, based on the number of individuals who applied, a check is sent out to each of them, assuring each girl in that parish of a dowry. Almost 200 years after the passing of that man who missed the opportunity for love. It was said that when he finally died at the age of 84, they found him lying on the floor. Next to him was an antique cash box which contained no money. Instead, it was filled 
with yellowing letters which had been written over half a century before. In one hand, they found a small mirror. At the tips of the finger of his other hand was a twisted, faded mask from a bygone Mardi Gras. Had he been gazing one last time through the mask, looking in vain for his long-lost love? Hopefully, in death, they were finally able to be reunited. This is a story which, though it is sad, is indeed amazing and romantically true. Well, there you have it. As part of our dedication to the upcoming Valentine's Day, program number nine entitled Long Lost Love, part of our weekly series entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, each week, we'll be presenting for your enjoyment and edification a brand new audio story from our collection of Amazing But True Tales from History. Now, some of these stories come from our book entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More. As a listener to this program, you are entitled to purchase autographed copies of our original book, Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More, at half the publisher's price of $13.95 or a mere $7 per book. And that includes shipping and handling. For more information, merely go to elfiesworld.com. That's A-L-F-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D, elfiesworld.com, and then click on Elfie the Writer for more information. And now, I would like to thank the following for helping to make this program possible. First, Garrett Wolfram, our technical producer and supervisor. The late Irene Wolfram, principal editor and provider of Sage Council. Expert Publishing for their help in editing and publishing our book. Lucas Ganza Anna Waltz for the Parlor Guitar Magic Set. Herbert Bolin for his Piano Mood Happy Four. Ninad Simic for Piano Transition. And finally, the thousands of readers who have supported our efforts from the beginning. 